welcome to this week's edition of The Time and Place, the gospel conversation show where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to apply God's word to God's world. I'm Solomon. This is Julian. Yep. And today we're going to talk about discipleship. But first, Julian, what the heck is going on in the world today? Mm, the big story and the tech, uh, the, the amazing speed that technology moves everything with now. Uh, one Ellen Page is now Elliot Page. How dare After, you? <laughs> I thought I dead named. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> How do you say that now? Elliot Page is now Elliot Page. Uh, she was always Elliot Page on the inside. <laughs> you can't say she. I looked up the procedure. He. You can't ever say that. He. <laughs> you have to say the the man now known as Elliot Page was assigned the gender of female at birth, but is now living out their true self. Right. Okay. That's yeah. I got those talking points Glad. from the Glad website. So. It's a lot. We're good. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But yeah, Elliot Page now came came out a couple of days ago as a non-binary trans male. So there you go. That yeah, that non-binary basically is like if they change their mind, right? Yeah, it means I'm not confined to male or female. I could hit anywhere on the spectrum if I feel like it. Well, when you can't define it, yeah, you know, like that. That's my biggest thing with the with the transgenderism is a, a person born of the penis whatever that is says <laughs> i feel like a woman i i just know i have a woman mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a woman you know <clears throat> inside inside i well again even articulating it what does that mean and that's my biggest question is like okay i hear you right well, what, what does that mean specifically? Like, oh, well, I, I always played with dolls and I like dresses and makeup and I gravitate more towards those things. Like, oh, so you mean stereotypical woman. Right. And so like what they're actually saying with that statement is this is what it means to be a woman. Mm. Dolls and dresses and pink and makeup and whatever. It's like, well, see, if I say that, that's offensive. If I say, <laughs> what, what is what it mean to be a woman? Oh, it means wearing a dress. That's well, I'm wrong. Well, of course you're yeah, wrong. But, you're if someone, but if someone says, I feel like a woman and I want to express that by wearing a dress, uh, we'll put them on the cover of Vanity Fair and call you right. a hero. Right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well that if you're gonna reduce what it is to be a woman, and, and it's so weird because you can't even say, Well, some of the most defining characteristics of womanhood is having a baby. But that how dare that's the sexist thing to right. say. Oh, I can't believe, you know, that's all women are. It's like, well, you say all women are as a dress. You know, but I I don't see how the transgender ideology can doesn't just reinforce the stereotypes that they're fighting against. They're talking on both sides of the mouth. Right. We don't want these gender stereotypes. And also, that's how we define what Mm. we are. Right. Gender stereotypes. Right. (laughs) In this picture of (laughs) picture of Elliot Page, she's wearing a hat and a polo, a baseball cap and like a, a jacket and a polo. And it's like, oh, okay, that's that's what it means to be a man, is you wear a hat, a baseball right. cap. Because, <clears throat> you know. No makeup, because that's feminine. No makeup, uh, wear a polo, put on a baseball cap, and now you're a man. You're a man. Or, like, what? Like, I, <laughs> but you, they, because they can't even say, like, oh, strong, independent, confident. But, okay, well, that, a lot of people can, every, all people can be strong, independent, confident, you know, sure of themselves and right. a, a leader. So it's like, you're not defining woman with those words, right? Strictly. Men can do all be all those things as well, so I don't know. It's just nuts. Uh, it's, the the thing that really shocked me with it, and I guess it shouldn't have, is like 
the speed that uh, the Thought Police scrubbed the internet of any mention of Ellen Page. Oh, <clears throat> it was um, immediately if you if you uh, earlier today was it just happened the day before if you look up Ellen Page it just directs you to Elliot Page actor. Yeah. And uh, Netflix is redoing all the film credits, so they're all going to say Elliot Page. They're no longer going to say Ellen Page. Like they're re literally rewriting history so that she was always Elliot Page. There was never an Ellen Page. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's the uh, uh, scrubbing out the the Czechoslovakians, right? Right. In the, in the Stalin's pictures, <laughs> floating hat or a, mm -hmm. or a, a floating hand <laughs> and a handshake or whatever. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's it's what it is. But that's that's kind of the curse of the internet now because everything moves so fast. They can alter everything so fast too. Yeah, it just doesn't exist anymore. It's it was weird to see it happen just that quick. Everybody got on board right away because that's what you have to do. Yeah, <clears throat> that's nuts. It's it, it's so. I mean, it, it and you can't even question it. Like I need to read Abigail Schreier's book, um, Irreversible Damage. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Because they're talking about that, and and just even doing the research, even doing the science, or looking at any sort of data or statistics or anything, is wrong. Right, and it's, it's terrible. Well, unless it's to reinforce the approved uh, narrative. Well, yeah, you can do it so long as the the information shows, right? You know what's culturally popular right now. So if it's not, then that I mean yeah. that's what's crazy. Like it, the the outcome has to be predetermined. And then you can do the research. That's an, it's insane the way all of this works. Like we've all agreed what the answer is, so make sure all the work yeah. you do lines up with it. Um, yeah. So discipleship. Um, what what what's your understanding of like when I say the word discipleship? Kind of what comes to mind and like what you know what do, what do you start thinking about as far you know we both grew up in church, so right. it's like one of those Christianese words that just kind of mm -hmm. get thrown around and you know disciple d now discipleship now discipleship and, now you know and it's like okay well, what, what what is that what are you talking about what what's what's that and why the categor categorization it was it different than other things and like what you know what comes to mind i guess the concept to me you know growing up especially in youth group culture was the idea of like you find somebody older you find an older guy and you just like latch onto them they like mentorship kind of is what it what it looked like or sounded like to me you find somebody older who's been doing a little while and just do what they do older was specifically like somebody to me yeah to me it always seemed like somebody old because you would figure they they've been in the christian faith longer they would have it together a little more than you would yeah yeah i mean i think of like uh that yeah like mentorship or like an accountability mm. group or something and just kind of i think of like growing in the faith i think of like evangelism and again this is i think this is a lot of wrong thinking but this is what i've thought about discipleship like say versus evangelism where like evangelism is the fishing and then the mm. discipleship is the gutting and the okay. preparing the fish one you know it's like okay right. we brought them to the boat well now mm. what okay, well now we got to clean them and gut them <laughs> and scale them, you know right. and like really really get into it but um more recent uh reading is is and, and i've heard that before too of like not really like distinguishing those two so so um you know, so such a contrast, you know, yeah. And, uh, but I never was like, what, well, okay, well then what does that mean? They are different. Right. I mean, right. Is it, <laughs> isn't it? But, um, <clears throat> yeah. Dodson's, uh, Jonathan Dodson's gospel centered discipleship, which I read, mm -hmm. uh, really, really good. Um, because yeah, like we, 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 we try to like divide everything up, in Christianity, like okay, we well, have this, you have that, and you have evangelism, you have, 
youth ministry, you have big church, you have Sunday school, you have uh, missions like uh, foreign missions and missionaries and stuff. And then you have uh, deacons and I don't know. It's all like we have all our different avenues and channels of, of different things and they're all kind of doing different things, but they don't, um, they don't, they don't center around anything. They're just kind of swirling. And, and what we have to think about is like, they're all kind of circling the, the gospel and it never leaves the gospel. And that's the kind of idea behind uh, gospel centered discipleship is just like, it, it's still the gospel. You, when you're evangelizing and telling, telling people about Christ, you're sharing the gospel. And you're also doing that when you're discipling, when you're in a discipleship group or something, you're talking about the gospel because it's a constant thing. Like the reason Paul kept bringing it up as well, like always remember Christ. Like this is not, yeah. it's not something that you just like graduate from really, right. but, but just something you more deeply understand. Well, I mean, that's kind of funny because it is kind of one of those things that we wouldn't say like, oh, we graduated from that. But in when we divide them like that, the way you're talking about it, it's kind of true. It's like, okay, I got saved. I understand the Jesus thing. What do I do now? No. And so it does kind of take the focus off of like abiding in Christ or, or you know, depending on his sacrifice and his righteousness. And it becomes, okay, what do I need to do now? And it immediately becomes kind of a works-based thing in a weird way. Yeah. So he says, um, Dotson says, both are product of the gospel. Evangelism slash discipleship debate misses the point of the gospel commission. Jesus's commission is not mission centered, but gospel centered. Mm. It focuses on proclaiming the gospel to not yet disciples and teaching the gospel to already disciples. Jesus puts the gospel first, which leads to making and maturing disciples. He does not call people to evangelize first, making discipleship an optional second. But evangelism and discipleship are gospel motivated. Right? So, like, he doesn't say go evangelize to all nations, it's make disciples of all nations, which we're like, oh, well, he means evangelize. Right. It's like, well, no, he means make me disciples. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> that's, that's part of it. That's the gospel is making disciples. So, what's the, I mean, what's the, what does that look like? In, in practical steps, what is making disciples? I mean, it, 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 it it's kind of weird because it's like, okay, just you have the same answer for everything. It's like, yeah, the gospel, like, because of the things like, are you just going to say that and then like have it mean the same thing? It's like, yeah, like that's what it all kind of comes back to. I mean, and it, it's like, oh, it's that easy. It's like, yeah, it's that easy. You know, like it's mm. not, we complicate it by trying to, seminar this thing you know in like 12 step this thing and it's not like that's just what christianity is it's the gospel mm -hmm. and yeah um yeah teaching in it, it, it's, it's interesting too like you see kind of a, of a connection between these things because like okay you, you share the gospel with somebody they've heard it for the first time the holy spirit works they've become regenerated they've, they've repented they've become baptized they've you know gone through all the get saved things, right? right. The, the outward that look like that. And then you have your first like discipleship groups. Like, all right, we get you plugged in. We, you know, we'll get, right, you know, right. meet up with these two guys on Friday mornings, whatever. And uh, start talking, we'll go through John, you know, cool. And then like, all right, so you start going through things. And then the person starts reading and it's like, wait, what? Like, they're, wait, Jesus and God are, the, are the, Jesus is God? And like, the Holy <laughs> Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit? Like, that's God too, what? Like, mm -hmm. oh, with the Trinity, what? You start learning all these things. And you either understand what you like, signed up for more deeply and like get, mm. get, you know, 
the Holy Spirit keeps working and is, is there, or you realize, uh, this isn't what I thought it was. I thought it was, uh, you know, just like what I saw on the Hallmark Channel. You know, like this is weird. This you're, you're talking about the Holy Spirit <laughs> and like what, and then you actually realize, okay, this person isn't a Christian, or they have right. not, you know, they've not been called, or they're not, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? And so you, you have those things. And so it's like, oh, and they'll, but or or they'll realize they're like, I didn't know what this was. I'm still on board. The Holy Spirit is moving. It is, you know, I, I am repenting. I do believe this. And you're, and, and then you, that's when you, kind of, you like become a Christian. And that's why this whole like pivotal moments of like, oh, this is the moment I became a Christian. And it's like, yeah, but how much did you learn later that you still had to like become a Christian too? You know? And it's like, oh, evolution isn't okay. Uh, that's weird. Oh, hell is real. Oh, wait, wait, God is sovereign. Like mm-hmm. you're learning all these things and it's like, you, you, you still have to believe you, it's a whole package. It's a whole package deal. You know, you heard the Jesus stuff at camp and that was great. And I'm like, man, forgiveness and whew, freedom and joy and heaven. Like, that's great. I'm sign me up and you get signed up and then you hear about everything else. And it's like, Oh, I didn't know about that. So let me, I don't know. And then it's like, that's when you become a Christian again or whatever, but you mm-hmm. don't, I mean, you always, there is a point of conversion and there is that, but it's always learning and your faith is growing in those things as you learn more of what to have faith in, I guess. You see the bigger picture, I guess. And then you start like, I have faith in the whole picture. I I trust God for all of this. Um, does that make sense? Like, no, yeah, I'm following you. I think, <clears throat> I mean, that's kind of a lost concept in American Christianity because we do, especially modern times, we do break it down to like when you ask somebody, well, when did you get saved? And for me, that's a really hard question to answer because like, well, I grew up believing this. And if you ask like, well, when's the first time you said a prayer? I was like six or seven or when's the first time like you really understood the gospel? Maybe I was 14 <laughs> or 15 or but when did you really understand like the biblical idea of, of election and salvation and rights? Like, well, maybe you know, 19 or 20, like there's no point where I like, I knew it all and I had it all together, you know? Do you, what do you think about like, as you're speaking to someone who's not a believer withholding things that might, you know, disrupt sealing the deal (laughs) Mm. might disrupt the sale. Right. (laughs) You don't want to tell them about the, the bugs. Right. It's like, I don't tell them about uh, just kind of all the, the weird color it comes in or something. And mm. like, just tell them because we're going we're gonna to get the sale, you know. And then I was like, well, they're going to find that out eventually, right? right? Yeah. I mean, so how, how do you feel about that as far as like you know, evangelism and like just not mentioning election or not mm. mentioning the rapture, eschatology stuff? Not Don't, <laughs> don't mention those things, you know. How do you feel about that? There's some stuff that I think, like, if we're going to talk about election, we we maybe don't have the time or it's not the right time or place for the discussion right there at that moment. You know, like, we're not going to break down the, the the five points and the five solos in this moment. That's but what you do at the time place. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think to intentionally obscure them is a little bit weird. Like, if someone were to ask a question about it, you would bring it up, I would imagine. Like if right. if you think you have to withhold parts of the, the biblical truth in order to get somebody saved, then you are trying to, what do I need to say to get you to sign a card? Not what do I need to tell you to help you understand the gospel? Right. It does become that commodity you're trying to sell. Yeah. I mean, 
it, maybe for the sake of confusion and just like a fire hose instead of a, you know, <clears throat> a drink or whatever, right. as far as like just hitting them with everything. Cause it is a lot of information and you could be explaining it wrong. That's probably what it comes down to is like the, the, the time and place and circumstances of a gospel evangelical come to Christ conversation. Mm. You could be not explaining things as, as clearly as they kind of need to be articulated. Mm. I guess. So it's not it's like, don't mention it, hide it, but like, right. This is a longer conversation. I yes. guess than like what we're having right now, which is there's forgiveness in Christ and right. repent and be baptized, you know? So like that's, so, so yeah, it's not like withholding it, but it's also like we can't do justice. What needs to be, uh, we can't give the time that needs to talk about right. a lot of other stuff. So we're, we'll get to that, I guess. And I think this but, is a good point that Abby mentioned, uh, especially here at the end, it says it amazes me that such a holy God who doesn't need us at all, uses us in his plan of reconciliation. I think that's a, a thing we forget about evangelism and discipleship is that if if God wanted to save people without us, he could, right? Like he did it before. He saved Abraham by coming to Abraham and speaking to Abraham. He saved Paul by coming to Paul and speaking to Paul. Like we're not necessary for any of this stuff, but we're allowed the privilege of taking part in it, the blessing of being part of that that act and that work. So I think when we forget that, when we think it does matter, like I got to make sure my my speech is good, I got to get the right points, I got to make sure I hit all of their needs in this one little speech I give them, then we do start kind of like, okay, don't talk about this, don't mention this, don't bring up that. What what does he want to hear? Yeah, and it gets murky like that. Yeah, it should be something that's just coming out of us. It should just be something that's just like, look, if you know anything about me, you know I'm probably gonna tell you about Jesus. Like right. that's I I would hope that said of me, I, you know. Maybe not, but, but oh, he, he likes comics. He's going to tell you about comics. Mm. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> you know, he's going to tell about Star Wars. Like, you know, it's like, and he's going to tell about Jesus. Like, I hope that's something that's just said. Like, that's, we can't help but have it come out of us and help mm. be, be talking about it. It's not like you got to muster up the courage. It's like, no, this is just kind of where I'm always at, mm. you know, or I hope to be. That's, that's, I think, how Christians ought to operate is a, is a, just a steady state of, gospel convert minded conversation. I have a friend at church who's like, you can't talk to him about anything without <laughs> it coming, you know, <laughs> without it coming back to the gospel. And it's like, that's so awesome. And I, and I, and he's with that with everybody. Like, and it's so it's like, man, that's, it's like, Oh man, it's so annoying. It brings everything back to Jesus. It's like, that's the thing. We, that, <laughs> that's not a problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I mean, that's He's a Christian. What do you think? Like, you know, all oh, this Jude, this this master jujitsu guy kind of it always ends up, you know, ends up talking about jujitsu. Like, yeah, because he, that's what he does. <laughs> that's so his life. Is. Yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan always going to bring up psychedelic drugs. Like, yeah, because that's what he does. That's who he is. You know, it's like you know, conversation always comes to something like that. It's like, yeah, because that. I mean, that's it. You know, so and that's not a problem. I mean, if mm. if. If people are annoyed with you because you keep bringing up Jesus, like that's a good problem to have, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, unless you're, you know, doing it not, um, unfaithfully or self-serving right. or self-righteously or something, but which is definitely possible that people definitely do. But if you're being sincere and faithful and genuine about, like, hey, this this is kind of always where it goes. Um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in the thing of like seeing like uh, parallels or like Jesus parallels or like having something over the Bible, a story from the Bible or something in a movie or a song or like, Oh, this song about this mm. makes me think of, you know, right. 
the older brother syndrome or something, you know what I mean? Or just like anything. And so it's just, you get these kind of, um, what are we watching? I was watching, oh, we're watching the right stuff. Um, on that okay, video, yeah. that like docudrama series and stuff. And John Glenn, super older brother. He is like Mr. Straight laced, square, boring by the book guy. And all the other astronauts are like, kind of like the party and enjoying their celebrity and stuff a little bit. And, and he has to like save one of their, you know, from one of the other guys from like a big, a big publicity mishap that happens and stuff. And then he, like I saved all of us. I saved you. If I hadn't stepped in, you know, and it's just like, mm-hmm. and then, and then that guy gets picked to go to space first. And it's just this, like, I did everything right. <laughs> and, you know, and it's just, but, and so like you see that and that's history, you know? Right. Um, but I didn't even know that Alan Shepard went to space first. The first mm-hmm. American in space. Did you know that? I did not know that. No, I didn't, I didn't know who Alan Shepard was. I knew John Glenn, <laughs> but and so I'm watching this movie, like, well, of course, I'm going, and it's like a big twist that I should have known. About. <laughs> Alan Shepard actually went. Dude, I went to a, I went to an elementary school named after John Glenn. And I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know what Alan, Alan Shepard Elementary Schools, <laughs> but yeah, he apparently he went up first, and so John Glenn, yeah, it was this, he wanted to be the first, and that was his like idol, basically. And um, yeah, a super. But I just see that, and I'm like, oh man, that's like an older brother thing with the prodigal son, and you know, mm-hmm. he didn't care. You know, it's like right, right. But it's so your your mind can kind of like always be drawing back to the Bible and kind of seeing parallels and seeing things, you know, because it speaks to everything. So all our daily life, everything we encounter and interact with and stuff is can come back to Christ. And so we should be developing that mind and that heart to just like, Oh, this makes me think of this verse. Oh, maybe that, that's mm-hmm. sort of like Abraham or that's sort of like Nehemiah, like, Oh wow. You know, and then just kind of seeing those things and then, Hey, have, have those things come up in conversation. So that way it's just mm-hmm. constantly, you know, just kind of live right there. And that is kind of an element of discipleship too, that I think is, is, maybe not thought of in the same way. I I think sometimes we think of discipleship as like a conscious effort to lead someone or teach someone or like guide someone. But sometimes it is that discipleship by community of just that idea of surrounding yourself with people who do have that kind of everything is the gospel. Everything is about Jesus. Everything comes back to the Bible that, that, that rubs off on you. Like being in that state, it starts to, you know, it, it, one, it's really telling if you don't enjoy it. I think that's Mm -hmm. part of it. It's like, man, all these people talk about is Jesus. Like maybe you're not at the right place yet. But it's also, yeah. it, it is encouraging and helpful, I think, when you're around those kind of people, because there does start to be that kind of, um, I don't know if I'd call it unintentional accountability, but this this kind of attitude of like, oh, these people see through my stuff. Like, I'm not going to be able to hold up this facade like they know. They're they're in the right. word. They're real about this. They can see through my smoke screens and stuff. Right. That 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 is one thing that I, I've I've learned like through just a lifetime of Christianity of like when you have that accountability and when, when you set your week up and your day and your month and stuff of, of like, I'm going to go to church and then we have men's equip night and then we have a uh, community group. And then I have um discipleship group on Friday, you know, it's like, no. in, in all of those instances is a personal one-on-one where someone asks, Hey, how's your heart? How's your mm-hmm. walk with Christ? How's whatever, anything on your mind, anything on your heart, whatever. And so if I'm dealing with sin or hiding something where it's like, I'm going to have to lie five times this week, mm-hmm. right? Or just repent and trust God and, and know that forgiveness and reconciliation is there and mm-hmm. that these people are not going to judge me. They're, they're, they're for, they're here. They want me to, to, to 
come to Christ. They're going to point me to right. the Bible. They're going to point me to Christ. And it's like, okay, I either have to actively rebel against that and know I don't want people to point me to Jesus, which is a bigger problem. That's a bigger right. conversation. <laughs> or repent of your sin, talk about it, confess, mm. hash these things out and all that. But it's not going to happen unless you set those little checkpoints up. And, and that becomes legalistic or like routine or whatever. But I mean, that's just like the normal rhythms of your life that happen that, that are set in place, you know, and that's what I think a Christian's um, uh, walk should look like. That's what something that Dodson says in the book. I didn't flag it, but he does say he says somewhere where he says um, this will this will be inconvenient, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh. You know, like, well, I got to set up, you know, I got to, like, go to this, go to that, go to a discipleship group, go to church, go, you know. And it's like, yeah, you're, it's going to take up your time, you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I like that because I feel like I, I kind of feel that, like, seeing kind of creeping up of, like, complaining about a lot of the church activity stuff to do. And I think you can become, it can become an idol. Like, church can become an idol right. in the the churchianity and religiousness yeah. of it can, can be. But I think when, you know, when it's done genuinely and faithfully, I think you shouldn't be getting tired of your Christian walk, but you should be getting tired from your Christian walk in that yeah. I'm talking with people, I'm communicating, I'm reading, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, 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 you know, doing these things. And that's disrupting my TV time. That's disrupting my whatever. You know what I mean? So like I'm, I have these hours in the day that I'm going to fill up with something else. But this is edifying towards Christ and my faith. So I want to gravitate towards those things. And, yeah, it probably means less time in Netflix or less time, you know, just whatever. But then you start enjoying those things and, like, looking forward to those moments, and those times. And then that becomes your Netflix. That becomes your relax and, and fun and like things you kind of look forward to, to wind down or whatever mm-hmm. is that community with friends and, and reading your Bible and praying and stuff. Um, and in a, in a way it kind of does come back to uh, identity in, in a, in a weird way. Uh, when I was talking to my pastor, there's a video up on our YouTube page. If you guys haven't seen it yet, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, it's on all of them about the concept of discipleship. Uh, but one of the things I brought up to him, especially me, it's something that I have kind of a weird issue with is having that kind of relationship with people who are in different walks of life than I am. So, you know, maybe they're into different kinds of music or movies, or maybe they're about, you know, their business or their, their plan. We just don't have those things in common, right? I mean, we're, we don't have the same interest. Maybe they're a car guy and I'm not, maybe they're an outdoors guy and I'm not. And it's hard to kind of sometimes look past those things and understand that these are all superficial. The thing that we have in common is our identity in Christ. Right. And really yeah. make that bridge to be like, okay, we're not on the same page on some stuff. We don't agree. We don't have the same lifestyle, but the deeper unity in us is that we're both in Christ. That's the reality that we live in. Right. That's, that's interesting. One of the parts I have flagged in here in this book, uh, it says, Dawson says, the gospel reconciles people to God and to one another, creating a single new community comprised of an array of cultures and languages to make one new human humanity colossians 2 15. this new humanity reconciles its differences colossians 2 14 through 16 on the commonality of the gospel it is both local and global as the body grows a redeemed multi-ethnic intergenerational economically and culturally diverse humanity emerges and that's it i mean that blasts identity politics out of the water right i mean any sort of if you're finding your identity 
in anything but the gospel and in your a community in, in, with other people in Christ. That's how you're identifying with people in that's your people group is in Christ. That's an idol. I mean, but, but people do it all the time. People do it in their gender. That's my identity, my gender, right. my sexual orientation, my political party, my job, my sports team, whatever. This is my identity. And we saw this in the comic store, right? right, I'm, right. I'm a DC guy. <laughs> you know, people just like right. die on that. I'm a Marvel guy and they just die on that hill. And it's like, it's like, okay, well, that's, uh, you know, I don't know why, but like you're, constructing, <laughs> your thing. yeah, in, in anything, you're constructing an idol and finding your identity. I think that's the biggest sin of homosexuality or transgenderism mm. is finding your identity in something other than Christ. Right. And that, you know, it's, it's how you vote. It's how you get married. It's how you love. It's how you make friends. It's how you read. It's how it affects everything you do. Well, that should be Christ. That thing should be Christ. You should find your identity in Christ first. Right. So. That's you can't like this. So this whole like woke Christianity thing, it's like, okay, well, wokeism is uh, primarily uh, revolves around identity politics and which has no place in Christianity. Right. Identity. We, yeah. We have an identity politics and we have identity in Christ. That's what mm -hmm. we find identity. But, I mean, yeah. part of that is being historically and biblically illiterate to, we don't think about the fact that when we're reading Romans, like the, the racial and cultural divide between the Roman church and the Jews in the Roman church is way deeper than anything we would have. Like we're talking about occupying yeah. forces and like a real sense of oppression and animosity. And then, you know, we think about the fact that there may have been slaves and slave owners in the same congregation. There may have been yeah, yeah. Paul, who was a someone, someone shared a, a, a caption on Instagram. I thought it was really interesting that when Paul gets to heaven, some of the same Christians that he had helped arrest and, and execute are going to cheer that he's joined them in eternity. Hmm. Like that's a, yeah. a, a real, and like he was a Pharisee, a persecutor, and he's just brought in with open arms and he's a leader of the church after that. Like yeah. that, that animosity is gone under the yeah. banner of Christ. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. I right. mean, there's no socioeconomic class. There's no mm -hmm. caste system. There's no anything. I mean, more than any other movement in world history, Christianity's done that, like right. really, like actually, like any, any other uh, religion has deep ethnic, uh, geopolitical, socioeconomical uh, ties to it and, and right. systems and, and things. And not say that Christianity hasn't, the, the religion of, of Christianity hasn't erected those in like the Roman Empire and things like that, but the Bible, so scriptural, biblical Christianity mm. doesn't have that. So, yeah, that's <laughs> we're all created in the image of God. And that's right. kind of where you get that. It kind of all stems from that. So <laughs> so one of the areas that I do want to hit on, I don't want to miss because I think it's an important one. It did come up in the conversation. Uh, we were talking about how discipleship sometimes can turn into behavior management. And that's kind of a trap of discipleship because that's not that's not really discipleship. Right. The, the idea of just like, well, let me teach you how to look like you're doing it right right you know, let me let me morality you and, and we'll get it taken care of it's and so that's weird. a danger you didn't read this book but no you're, not at all <laughs> you're you're you're, fly, you're talking pointing my way through it because <laughs> he says uh dawson says you may have this tendency to get down on yourself for not reading the bible enough or for having a weak prayer life the implication here is that you are quote unquote up on yourself if you do read the bible more and have a strong prayer life Piety-centered discipleship says, 
be this kind of person and you can feel good about yourself. The gospel, however, says give up on yourself and become the person you already are in Christ. Mm. That's the thing. It's not performative. And he talks a lot about performance and stuff. And he did in his um, his book about sharing the gospel and stuff that we did last time uh, about like, oh, well, this is perform. Like if I don't say something, I'm going to regret it. That's performative. Right. Sharing the gospel and vandalism. Um, or like this person's hurting and I want them to know Christ. That's heart. So you have like performance in from the heart. Like, so it's two different things. Mm. And then he also says, he also quotes Owen on this, which, um, where was it at? Uh, John Owen about morality and, um, says Owen labors to differentiate between gospel holiness and morality in his distinction. The latter is the product of human effort, not of grace. Although morality and holiness may at times look similar on the outside, they're altogether different on the inside. Morality is self-centered. Gospel holiness is Christ-centered. Owen describes the gospel holiness as, quote, peculiarly joined with and limited unto the doctrine, truth, and grace of the gospel. For holiness is nothing but the implanting, writing, and realizing of the gospel in our souls. So yeah, like morality is self-centered, gospel holiness is Christ-centered. And that, yeah, we can, we all, like, so, oh, you don't have to be Christian to be moral. True, but morality isn't the gospel. Like, that's not what this is. And that's kind of, you know, in, in Matthew, I wanted to highlight this, specifically in, in 23, when Jesus is just railing at the Pharisees, in 23 through 27, at the end, he goes through that whole thing with them. He says, you know, you you tithe dill and mint and cumin, and but you neglect the weightier matters of the law. And he tells them, you're like a cup where you've cleaned the outside and it looks nice, but the inside is full of all vileness and sins. So they they had it right outwardly. They could do the steps. They could talk the talk. But inside, they hadn't dealt with the sin issue. Yeah. Uh, Paul deals with that in Colossians 2 in, in chapter 2, 20 and 23. He talks about how, you know, why do you still live under do not taste, do not touch, do not. I want to read this because actually. Yeah, uh, I do. Uh, yeah. So in uh, chapter two, 20 through 23, he says, if Christ, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Mm. So he's saying you can do the thing that has an appearance of wisdom and self-made religion, but it doesn't deal with the indulgences of the flesh. It doesn't actually help with the sin. Right. And that's, I don't know how it's neglected because it's such a big theme in the Bible, especially in everything Jesus talks about where you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you even look with lust, you've already committed it. Like the root is so much. Yeah. That's the pivotal. That's a, that is, we were talking about that yesterday in community group. That is a pivotal moment. Someone said that someone said they were talking with a Jewish person. Like, yeah, that's when he, when Jesus was a good rabbi and he becomes a bad rabbi. (laughs) 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 <laughs> the sermon on the mount. Yeah, <laughs> I know, man. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, now you've made it impossible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was always yeah, impossible. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So uh, the danger, I think, in discipleship is that, is that we think, well, discipleship is, it is teaching you how to do the things correctly, right? But it, it should be the, teaching you how to have 
the proper focus on the things of God or the adoration for the things of God or just living the lifestyle that draws you to godliness. Not so much discipleship is teaching you not to drink, smoke, dance, or have premarital sex. Like that doesn't help right. with any of the actual issues. So, yeah, he kind of talks about that as far as like the, both those sides, like the legalistic side. We talks about the religious rule keeper and the confessionless rule breaker. Right. And so like mm -hmm. these, these kind of two, two ways to go about it. it says, quote, both the religious rule keeper and the confessionless rule breaker are inauthentic. They choose sinner mm -hmm. over son. The difference between the two is that the rebel avoids God while the religious person tries to impress him. One runs away from him while the other runs past him. Mm. Man, like that's such a we Christian definitely fall into those kind right. of traps of, of those mm. two two ways. Mm. And that's that's uh he's he said Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think in them you find eternal life, but they testify of me. Like you're reading the book, you should get it, but you're missing what it's telling you. You're not hitting the point. And that does happen in church a lot. Like how many people are in church, know all the hymns, know all the verses, and don't know Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, you know you know all the things to say and all the right words and stuff, but yeah, Christ hasn't changed your heart. Like that's not you're you're not you're not you're still hold and I see that with two people with morality, you know, it's like Man, I'll help. Yeah, I'll help the little old lady cross the street, but I hate her. You know, and it's like, well, that you know, and I think that's totally fine. It's like, well, I helped her. That's that's fine. So like, no, that's not fine. You you need to deal with that sin of hatred in your heart. Like, that's not okay. You're like, yeah, outwardly, you you you've helped her in, in, in those things, but uh, you have some sin to confess. Like, you, you just walked a little old lady across the street, and you still have sin to confess regarding that little old lady. And it, it, that's that's when you merge from godless morality to gospel-centered holiness, right? Mm. But it, it's, it, it's, it's one part. I'm sorry. On that same no, page, right. I, just, I just saw this. He talked about authenticity. And you know that's a mm. word, right? Like authenticity. Right. Authentic self. Well, his thing says, perhaps it would be helpful to think of confession in terms of authenticity. Confession is a verbal way of spiritually recovering our authenticity in Christ. Confession rejects an inauthentic image in order to realign with our true image. So he's saying like, yeah, you're right. Let's, let's just join the whole authenticity uh, conversation. Let's be our authentic selves. And what is that? You've been, been made new in Christ. Mm. That's your authentic self. Act like that. Mm. That your authentic authentic self is not your sin. It's not your sinful fleshly desires. That's not who you are if you've been regenerating Christ. Mm. If you're a Christ follower, you been, we've all been created in his image. And if you have been chosen by God, then you're a Christ follower. Like that's be that. That's your authenticity mm. is following God. So it's like, yeah, let's have the authenticity, the authenticity conversation. You know, but it's just true. But it goes back to the identity. Well, what is my identity? Christ. Okay, that's it. Act like him. <laughs> mm. That's it's interesting because I wanted to get to that uh, that idea of authenticity. Uh, so uh, Kevin Smith okay. on a like you, you I don't know. We're just, <laughs> we're just here on the same page. <laughs> Tell him, <you>, man. <laughs> uh, Kevin Smith on one of his podcasts was talking about when he was getting ready to go to college. His sister asked him, "Like, what do you want to be?" And he said, "Well, I want to be a filmmaker." And she said, "Then just be one." And it was kind of getting at that point. Don't talk about being a just be a filmmaker. It's that yeah. same idea. Like you know, you're regenerate. Be regenerate. Don't be who you used to be. But the danger with that is, I think we forget that sometimes because we do some some of it through despair, some of it through guilt, some of it of just forgetting that truth. Is we forget that 
we're not the flesh. We carry the flesh. We war against the flesh, but we're not the flesh. And in, in discipleship, there is that need for authenticity of confession. Uh, yeah. In James and Ephesians, it talks about confessing your sins to each other. And I think part of discipleship is being open to actually confess your real sins with each other. And that's yeah. so hard to do, to, to actually tell people like, I think if we're honest about what we're actually struggling with, it's not as clean as we'd like it to be. You know, we'd like it to be, uh, I have a hard time having my quiet time, or I have a hard time getting up for first service on Sunday morning. Like those are the struggles we want to say we have. But the reality is like, yeah. I, have, I have a hard time loving my family. I have a hard time, like not hating everybody around me all the time. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We'll have that bag of things that we will confess. Right. It's like, I'm reading my Bible too much or something. But... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's the, yeah. the Michael Scott, like, what are my flaws? Uh, I work too hard. I, I care too much. <laughs> I feel more like strength. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, well, we have these, like, safe these safe things we'll confess. And it's like, mm. well, I'll talk about that because, right. you know, they might, they'll might probably deal with that too. Or that's pretty common or that's pretty, like, you know, but I'm not going to tell them about this because right. they're going to look at me different. You know, it's like, well, you know, they shouldn't if they're, you know, uh, being being faithful and pointing to Christ. You know, they, right. There should be that forgiveness as well. And, and if and if they do, that's their issue. Like, hey, right. when you told me about this confession, when you confessed this thing to me, I totally judged you and saw you differently. And I need to deal with that now. So it's like this mm -hmm. ping pong of like confession. Right, right. It's <laughs> <laughs> a confession and stuff. But and, it, it, I mean, it can be that. And, and it's good to be open with that. But um yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, we kind of play these games and stuff, and it's just not. I mean, I play. It's just not helpful. Like, like right. you're, you're not going to get anywhere with this. And like, and again, if you're asked five times through the week, mm. you know, you might have those five softballs that you will confess. But it's like, you know, you know, you're withholding every time you do it. I guess right. you know. What I mean? So it's like, all right, let's get real and like, I'm, <laughs> I'm screwed up. You know. <laughs> Yeah. And that, you know, that kind of goes back to Wilson's book when he talked about uh, in Ride Sally Ride. He talks about the, there's this weird element in the story where people are constantly. Douglas Wilson. Yeah. If anybody hasn't heard it, we have a podcast. Oh, with friend on the podcast. <laughs> Use our code uh, time and place. At... <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> he right. talks about how in the book, there's a lot of confession going on back and forth. That people are constantly saying, you know, I did this. Please forgive me for this. And that there's freedom in confession that we don't often think of. We often think of like, you know, lay, laying ourselves open, being yeah. that vulnerable. There's some kind of, there's going to be judgment. There's going to be whatever. But right. I, I think we forget that like, as the body, we want to see people come to freedom yeah. from sin. We, 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 we should have a joy out of that. So that, that confession just brings that freedom. Like I'm not carrying this thing. I'm not hiding this thing anymore. We're, I'm open with you people. This is what I'm dealing with. And we, you know, we come together to seek that forgiveness from God in, in that kind of thing. Again, spiritual license. <laughs> says, Liberated Christians boast a spiritual license that says they are not bound to rules. This license may be expressed by drinking too much, watching inappropriate films, or refraining from, from Bible reading, all in the name of spiritual freedom. The subtle assumption here is that true freedom comes from the ability to not keep rules. However, when freedom is constructed against rules, it is a false sense of freedom. The lie of spiritual license is partially true because the costly death of Christ, forgiveness has been purchased for our obedience. Because judgment has fallen on Christ for our sin, we are free, but not as we might think. God's forgiveness frees us from judgment, not from obedience. 
Everyone obeys some kind of law. We're all enslaved to something. Even the rebellious disciple is obedient, bound to obey his or her fleeting desires. Those fleeting desires are connected to other gods. For example, the God of self limits, uh, the God of self limits Bible reading while allowing an unlimited stream of internet reading. Free to read whatever they like, the liberated Christian allow, allow unfiltered data to float through their hearts and minds without the redemptive lens of scripture. Mm-hmm. Consider the God of alcohol. The God of alcohol rules over the free drunk who obediently takes drink after drink in pursuit of pleasure or escape. Those who are motivated by spiritual license are actually ruled by the ultimate God of freedom. Mm. I, just, I, I saw that the, the free, rules over the free drunk who obediently takes drink after drink in pursuit of pleasure or escape. And that can be anything you do. Right. You know, the, the, the sexually liberated person mm. freely, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> goes the person or whatever you know so and yeah. what's funny is that when you talk about like you know we let every information flow through except for the the lens oriented under the gospel that is so important because of those those things that when uh when we've been going through things in the bible especially the epistles uh i'll ask maggie what what do you see from here and she'll say well it seems like he's talking about something that's happening now and it's like yeah it hasn't changed yeah. You know, when, when we have that gospel orientation, especially when Paul talks about like, you know, you, you will say the food for the stomach and stomach for food, but God will destroy both in hellfire. That idea of just giving into your flesh, like, well, I'm hungry, so I eat. I'm I'm lusting, so I have sex. Like, you're a slave to your body. Yeah. It's that whole idea. Whoever, whoever commits sin is a slave. Yeah. It is... If, if you don't have that gospel centered framework, if you don't have that gospel community, if you don't have that, that uh, discipleship going on, you do, you do tend to forget that all of these problems that are cropping up in society are not new. It's not like we yeah. don't have answers for them. It's just, we haven't taken the time to get to know the answers for them. Right. He kind of talks about, uh, this one says, it talks about like three aspects of discipleship, rational, relational, and missional. Mm. Says the as- these aspects are expressed through the communication of the commu- communication of gospel truth, rational, within everyday relationships of love, relational, with a grace agenda to baptize people into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, missional. Mm-hmm. So, like the grace agenda is that missional. So, a disciple of Jesus then is someone who learns the gospel, relates in the gospel, and communicates the gospel. In short, disciples are gospel centered. Like er- like those three aspects all come back to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's like that. That's that could put a discipleship group like should be doing. So they should be behaving. <laughs> but that, <laughs> it goes back to what we said at the beginning. Like once you've once you've accepted Christ, you kind of I get the gospel. We don't need to keep dwelling on the gospel. Like what's next? What's what do I need to do? What What's my what am I missing? Yeah. We do kind of neglect that everyday gospel. Yeah. He talks about fight clubs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like a thing. It's like a thing that his church did like called fight clubs where they it's like you know discipleship groups and the, and the purpose is to fight sin mm. right and he, he talks about like um going through this kind of model like text theology and life right and so it's like read the bible understand it and then apply it to your life not don't come together in your discipleship group uh there's a part where he says don't, don't do life theology and text you'll never get to the text <laughs> like <laughs> you know if you do it that way, yeah. Don't don't change the order of your fight club to life theology text by mm-hmm. starting with your life. You will rarely get to the Bible. <laughs> yeah, 
But yeah, it's just that idea of like, um, as you read, make a point of asking the Holy Spirit to draw your attention to what he wants to accomplish in you. Hmm. And then life. Yeah. It's like, this is not a Bible study. It is a fight club. Share your lives, not just your insights. Adorn the gospel by confessing sin and repenting well. Hmm. And he's talking about like three aspects of uh, fighting sin. Let's see. Like know it. Um, yeah. Knowing your sin involves knowing the what, when, and why. What sin and when circumstance and why motivation. Hmm. Know your sin. Like that's that's how you fight sin. It's like, well, well, what is it? It's this. Well, when does it happen? Whenever this, whenever I'm dealing with this, whatever. It's like, and what drives you to that? It's like, okay, that. So you say, what, when, and why is how to kind of like frame that hmm. fighting sin in and in discipleship groups of doing uh, text theology and then life. Hmm. So, so I gotta be honest, I gotta confess like that. Uh, <laughs> my discipleship group, you know, we. It's kind of weird because he says, like, a, a quick catch-up, you know, but, like, you know, I saw these guys yesterday, so <laughs> I'm going to see him tomorrow at 6 a.m., so it's, like, not much to catch up. Like, we can just start with the Bible, you know? <laughs> well, I, it's it's easy to – it's that self-centered um, me-ism that religion often we, – we come to it, like, how does it fix me? Uh-huh. What, what part of this is practical for my life? What can I use? What am I getting out of this? What programs does your church have? How, do, uh, how good are you with families? What's your youth program like? Yeah. Like we have that tendency to think of how can I plug religion into my life to fix myself? Yeah. How does, how is this discipleship group going to help me with the problem that I'm having as opposed to how is this going to draw me closer to God? Yeah. He brings up Chuck Palahniuk in the fight club. Uh, <laughs> and he says, uh, I can't, can't recommend the film, but <laughs> <laughs> funny, but yeah, it says, uh, Pollock's fight club was an attempt to fill a void left by the church. Mm. In an interview, he comments, quote, uh, took Pollock said, quote, I started to recognize that in a way support groups were becoming the new church of our time, a place where people will go and confess their very worst aspects mm. of their lives and seek redemption and community with outer people in a way that people used to go to church. Mm. That's Chuck Pollan. That that is a yeah. non-Christian. Like he understands. Yeah, right. that you can get that from support groups. Like there's a problem in the church, basically. Mm. <laughs> the church of our time. Support groups were becoming the new church of our time. Mm. Secret redemption. That's community. funny because Pollan told a story on Rogan. I don't know if you saw his, his episode where he had him on. But he, yeah, <laughs> but he told the story about him reading one of his short stories and one of the listeners in the audience thinking it was really about him. And afterwards, she told him a really graphic story about her youth. And she was saying, I've never been able to tell anybody that story. But if you can tell your story, then I feel like I can tell mine. Yeah. And it's crazy. It is that kind of like I'm being open and confessing. You can confess. And there's no judgment here. Right. That's a real thing. But it's not like you said, it's not happening in church. In church, it's the veneer. It's the Sunday Sunday dress. Mm-hmm. Church. We're all. um we're all good Christians. We don't have marital problems. We don't have problems at work. We're not struggling with anything. We don't have doubts. None of that is going on. We're all here in our Sunday best. We're pressed. We're listening to the pastor and we're going to, we're going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've noticed that when, when I've seen these, as these people come to our church and like, they're, 
very religious and they'll kind of put out that, you know, that front and, and, and it's a good front because they'll help right. people move and they'll show up on like work service days. And it's like, man, this is, you know, they're, they're working. They're trying. Right. right? Like, but he can't talk to his wife. Mm. His home life is a wreck and Corona like breaks that up. And it's like, okay, don't ever help anybody move. <laughs> talk to your wife. You know what I mean? Like get your family, like that you need to start there. And it's like, that's like an impossible task, you know? Yeah. And so it's like that. But that's it, though. I mean, that's where you need. It's like I'd rather you never show up to another work service day mm. and take your wife on a weekly date night or something. You know what I mean? Or like, right. like talk to your kids, com- connect with them at home, teach them, lead them spiritually in the home. Like, mm. you know, and like, don't ever do anything again. Just, <laughs> but just but that, do that. You know, and it's like it's it's almost like the rich young ruler. It's like, oh mm. yeah, I can do this, I can do it. It's like, uh, yeah, but this is your pain point. This is your. Right. It, where the, the, the rubber's not meeting the road. It's like, right. no, I can't. That's really hard. So yeah, that's <laughs> it. I mean, that's what it is, you know? <laughs> I mean, so. it, it, yeah, it goes back to that Matthew 23. You 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 tie the dill and the mint and the cumin, but you neglect the weightier matters. Like, yeah. it's easy to do the stuff. Doing yeah. stuff is not hard, but yeah. the spiritual stuff, that's the hard part. Yeah, it's like read the Bible at home with your family. Don't just bring them to community group. Don't take them to Sunday school. Don't bring your kid like... Do lead them, especially men, lead them at home, read the Bible and pray with your family. Mm. That's weird. That's all. It's like, (laughs) it's almost, it's almost like they're saying, isn't that your job? Right. You know what I mean? And it's the same. It's like this, this public school mentality. It's like, well, I'm not going to teach my kids anything. That's why Mm. I pay taxes for you for, you know, (laughs) you're supposed to tell them about sex, not me. And it's like, (laughs) that's so horrible. (laughs) Why am I coming to church if I have to go home and explain it again to my wife? We're like, what are we here for? <laughs> right. But it's like, but that's it. Like that's, you should be doing that. That should be part right. of your family, you know? Mm. Anyway. That ah, man, that's, and that's, you know, much like evangelism, discipleship starts at home. Yeah. Right? That's once again, that's yeah. your first discipleship field is your own family. That's, Having that's kids, where, you're literally right. making disciples. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I, I think that is one of those things that we do like to pass that off. Cause maybe, maybe it's the same thing with homeschooling, the fear of being unqualified, yeah. uh, the fear of not saying the right thing, but we're like, okay, let me find somebody who knows what they're doing and, and they'll take care of it for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, I remember a comedian was talking about that, about like, uh, they were talking about doing like sex ed in school and people, parents are mad. It's like, it's like the alternative with the parents talk talk to their own kids. The parents are like, well, I don't talk to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone's going to, someone's going to disciple them, right? Like, there's no, there's not like a default no man's land neutral zone where like, right. oh, they're just not going to be discipled. No, they are. They're right. being indoctrinated. They're being discipled. Mm-hmm. They're being uh, radicalized towards something. It better be Christ. You, as a leader of the family, better make sure mm-hmm. that's Christ. And make sure it's the gospel because mm-hmm. it, it, there's plenty of godless uh, worldviews that are willing to do the job. They're right. willing, you know, if you're not, they will. Mm-hmm. I want to read this too. Um, it's weird from uh, this National Geographic. Mm-hmm. This is a November issue talking about like support groups being the new church and like that, that, that weird uh, idolatry basically of that. Um, this is an article about COVID and I showed that I sent this to you. Yeah. Before. Um, it says, uh, I try this, 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 uh, kind of science writer, um, writing this article, she says, 
I tried to hold on to that hope despite the catcalls of politicians and quote unquote personal choice zealots who second guess everything scientists do. Mm. I try to tell myself that sometimes our better angels prevail and that there's an army's worth of better angels, scientists, educators, doctors, nurses, public health advocates who since that eerie image of the spiky coronavirus started haunting our collective dreams have been working tirelessly toward a happy ending. That's the ending I'm trying to believe in, where we emerge from this with a renewed appreciation of science as humanity's best chance of salvation from suffering and untimely death. Mm. I mean, how much clearer do you have, does it have to be that they're seeking literally salvation from mm. suffering and untimely death? Humanity's science as humanity's best chance of salvation. I mean, that it is a, a religion to right. people. This is their dogma. This is their ideology. This is their God. This is their religion. And they're putting, literally putting their faith in it. Like they just said it. It's, it's <laughs> crazy. Way, I try to hold it. That right. I'm trying to believe in this future. He, he's got a post millennial <laughs> theology in science. Yes. It's, it's astounding. And then that's common. That's not, that's not, this isn't a wacko. This isn't nut picking. This isn't after you grab it. This is a, right. this is a mainstream, like this is the mentality of the world. And I think there's so much that the gospel needs to be res response to politics and social mm. issues of like, don't try and convert people to your side of the political aisle, convert mm. them to Christ because they're looking for that, that same thing. Uh, you know, that they're talking about like, when when Dawson was talking about like a new humanity in Christ, not all of our findings on identity in Christ, people are looking to politics for a new humanity. That's the whole Marxist model, right? Is to change what right. humans are. And there's a lot of things like people on the right like are dealing with what humans are. People mm -hmm. are this way, and so we got to have these rules. We got to do these things because people right. are this way. And the idea more leading to the left is, well, we can change what people are. And that's and they're looking for that regeneration, right? right? So, but it's not going to come from the political right. It's going to come from Christ. Mm. Like that's it. They're literally telling you they have hope in. They want humanity to change. They want people to be different. They want to be different, mm -hmm. and they think a new political system can do it. A new government, a new president, a new whatever can do it. We just tear down the society from the ashes. Rises a new society and in, in a new human we can change what humans are because humans are the product of their environment mm. right and that's what they believe so change the environment change the human right. no no there's an exchange of the heart you know, your heart that that's what only, and only in christ and but it's it's so crazy to see a world literally crying out for change in who they are and what they are and christianity has the answer and the best we can give them is trump <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, man, what a miss. What a swing and a miss. You know, that is like. <laughs> well, I mean, I talked about this with some buddies of mine. We were talking about the whole trans movement. And it's it, it's funny and sad and shocking when you look at it, how much of it lines up with the idea of the gospel, just their gospel. So like that, you, you have this concept right. of dead naming uh, right. where right. you don't refer to them by the name they were because that's not who I am anymore. That's who I used to be. Saul. I'm, I'm this, right, right, Saul. exactly. Yeah. I'm not. Right. I'm not. I'm not Simon. I'm Peter now. Right. Dead naming, calling right. Dead naming. <laughs> Saul. Yeah, and man. There's that. There's that. Uh, you know, even sometimes we talk about surgeries and transitioning. We're talking about removal of the flesh. Right. Oh, like man. it's it's all there. It's just yeah. it, they're doing in the it. wrong place. Yeah. 
they want it. And, and Christianity has the answer. The answer is in the Bible the whole time. And that, yeah, it's just that like repenting, getting over yourself and, and, mm. and the Holy Spirit moving to, to yeah, bring life in Christ. Ugh. <laughs> and part of that, you know, one of the, the discussions where it went with my pastor was what I really liked is this idea of being so infused and surrounded and just overwhelmed with the truth of the gospel that it just answers every question that you come across. And it flows, like you said, it just radiates. You're not going to talk to me and not know about Jesus. We we really do need to be past the point of being, I feel weird talking about Jesus or, you know, it, it makes, it makes other people uncomfortable when I talk about the gospel. Like, no, it just needs to flow out of you because everybody's looking for it. They are looking for it. And, and we're, we're, we're like afraid to give the answer, mm. you know, and, and, and I understand that like it, it's, it's hard because they, they feel like they've already found the answer and they're pursuing it so strong. Right. They're pursuing this false God so strong and you come to smash that. And of course they're going to get mad. Right. Of course they're going to say like, I found this, this helped me. Right. Transitioning, uh, whatever the, the social Black Lives Matter, these things helped me. They gave me a voice. They gave me something. And now you're saying that's a false thing? Like, no way. Like, and that's what it is. Like, they're putting, the, at the same time, they're crying out for uh, answers. And then they're chasing headstrong, full steam towards false gods. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it's, like a, it's like a two-edged sword thing of like, okay, these, I, I completely understand your answer. Whatever, white fragility, Right. Right. I, I understood so much of the problem. Mm. Everything she was saying was like, we are born racist. Like, yeah, we're born in sin. You're right. Like, and right. there's nothing we can do about it. But her answers are just repent of your whiteness for the rest of your life. Mm. You know, just, just, just spend your, the rest of your life trying to pay for your sin. Mm. It was like, well, that's hell. <laughs> right. That you, and, 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 it, and it's never ending. Which seems like a great thing for someone writing books of anti-racism, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> you get those, you know, ten thousand dollar pop seminar uh, <laughs> conferences and go to corporations and teach them how much of a racist they are. You know, it seems like a grift, but it's like, no, they're literally describing hell. Like, you can never not be racist if you're white. You can never not be a sinner if you're just a sinner, and that's true uh, without Christ. It's all, it's all condemnation and guilt and. Uh, yeah, condemnation without grace, and, and that's 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 what's hard, man. Like the, the we have grace, we have forgiveness, and, and there's forgiveness and grace in Christ and, and new life, and you don't have to just try and pay for it the rest of your life for eternity. <laughs> so it's like they got the problems pretty right, <laughs> but the answers and the false gods that they're running to right. are not. So that's the hard part is like smashing those idols. And, and for ourselves as well, you know, because we right. we choose them too. But you know that it, it, the, the problem in evangelism and discipleship is that of like smashing those idols mm-hmm. and bringing people to Christ in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, part of it, it, it's. I think the idols are easier to smash than than we think, but not because not because they're not strong or because we're stronger, but because we just have the proper tool. And, yeah, and I think we don't we don't. Oftentimes it goes back to what we're saying. We don't have enough faith in the gospel. It's, it's in my delivery or in, sometimes it's in my life. What, what, what do, I don't want to say anything because I have this baggage that I'm carrying. And I, you know, if, if I say this, it comes off as, Oh, what do you know? You this, this or that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so again, it's not, 
faith in the gospel or realizing that you're the new creation. It's, it comes back to what can I do? How am I going to deliver this? How am I going to convince this person as, as opposed to the strength of the word of God itself? Right. Yeah. We just try, we get in the way or I think most people aren't even engaging in those conversations mm. of, uh, uh, with that because it's, uh, we're, we're, we don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Mm. We're just like, well, I don't want to touch any of these political social issues. So I'm going to vote for the libertarian. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Do that. But, you know, engage those questions with the gospel, you know, like, and no one's even afraid to because no one even wants to touch it at all. No one's even gets to get close to it. So we just say, Jesus loves you and we love you. And, you know, <laughs> We're gonna stay separate or something, and it's like, well, they're not. You know, they're celebrating right. sin and affirming it, and we're saying nothing. But you know, Jesus loves you. He's like, well, he doesn't love what you're doing, so <laughs> be saved. So, yeah. Hmm. There's a lot in in all the areas when we talked about evangelism, discipleship. There's a lot that we need to. I don't want to say rethink, but get back to the word what it actually looks like, what it actually means. It actually live out those things, not just have the admiration for the people who did it before or the desire to wish that we could do it that way, but actually do it. Yeah. And you know, that, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a generational thing. Like one, one of the, you know, last thing we'll get to, we'll get to the end, but one of the things that did come up was uh, in the video, he talks about how one of the things that churches are lacking now is people who have walked the walk, lived the life, and stood the test of time and are now turning around and guiding people younger than them into that walk, right? The elder person who Wilson talked about it. Like if you if you have an itch to fight, but you're you don't know how to do it, find someone who's been in the fight for a while and let them guide you down the way. I feel I like that, been in the fight for a while. Oh yeah, for sure. Like alone though, right? Like all the stuff he's talking about and how he's engaging culture and stuff and you kind of like saw around the corner from the eighties and nineties right. of stuff that's coming and been fighting it this whole time alone. And then now you kind of see this like uh, new kind of reformed movement in Christianity with young people and stuff. Uh, and it's, it's like, yeah, welcome, welcome to the party. Like I've been doing this forever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, I mean, kind of part of that is going to be us and we're old already, but <laughs> as we get older, that idea of like turning around to people who are coming up and being like, Hey, this is how we do it. This is what the gospel lays out. This is what Christ promises and will continue to carry through. Just bringing people into that fight and getting them ready to carry on into the next generation after we're gone, considering if you're post-millennial. So. Yeah, I think I think the generation before us really was trying to convert people to the religious right, right. instead of gospel-centered discipleship and, and, and Christianity. We're Bible-biblically-centered, Christ-centered, gospel-centered, uh, rather than just like, Start coming to church, you know, and do do all the right stuff. And then, well, that's you know, that hasn't worked, you know. Right, because I mean, what? How do you tell an ungodly person, "Hey, be godly"? Like, I, I just do it. Just do the stuff, all and right. you'll be godly. And they can go through the motions the whole time, and that's the whole like losing your kids at college, right. trying to stay Christian in college. Well, they they not they you know, Christ has not hide their heart. Since middle school, you know, this isn't a college problem. This is a middle school youth group problem. They've just been doing, they've just been playing church because it's fun and, you know, it keeps their grades up and they're, you know, going to get to a good school, or whatever, and then just do whatever they want 
you know, when they get out or, or encounter a professor who's, who's intentionally trying to disrupt their worldview. Right. And they've never been prepared for it. They don't know the gospel. They don't know the Bible. They don't know how to engage any of those things. Mm-hmm. And then don't stay Christian through college or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, so there you go. <laughs> 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 so before we head out, uh, we'll get to some announcements before we get there. Solomon, what are you reading? Uh, I'm, well, I read this a while ago. See, that's the thing. See, see what I've been reading. I'm, right now I'm reading uh, the rare <laughs> – Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Poros. Oh, well, that sounds good too. <laughs> Dude, so freaking good. So great. It's awesome. Uh, but what I read a few months ago was Martin Luther by Eric mm-hmm. Metaxas. Yeah, double chin. I'm like, I'm like Martin Luther. <laughs> it's that German beer, man. He's drinking that fattening yeah, I beer. It. I just yeah. <laughs> uh, no, dude, this is a really good book. Eric Metaxas is kind of a rah rah Republican, mm. you know, libertarian like America kind of thing, and he kind of frames Ma- Martin Luther's life in that like he was the first person to like have kind of liberty, which in Christian liberty, yes, like that is true, um, but it's very. I think it's a good biography. I think it's a good but bi- It's definitely. I definitely want to read another biography of, of martin luther but it's a good one um man he martin luther so my one of the biggest questions i had because he kind of spurred the 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 protestant reformation right, right. he's a monk and then he did the 95 thesis all the problems with the catholic church and indulgences and like he started reading the bible and augustine was like hey this ain't in the bible like none of this Catholic stuff in the Bible. Like we need to go back to scripture. Right. And my and my my question was, why wasn't he just like burned at the stake immediately? Like John for <laughs> him and like because he wasn't and then he kind of goes into it like he wasn't the first person to like, hmm. oh my gosh, I'm, I read the Bible for the first time. No, there was like John Huss and like all these other people right. before him that were just like burned immediately at the stake. And they're just like squashed by the Roman Empire and like you're done. And my big question was like why what didn't that happen? Like, why didn't the emperor just be like, okay, well, you're done. You're just, just kill this guy. Right. You know? Well, a big part of it was his ideas went viral. So he, mm-hmm. he wrote this like treaty and he sent it to somebody kind of like all these problems with the Catholic church and like kind of laying everything out. Right? right. It was like an email to a friend, like, Hey, what do you think about this? Mm. And then <laughs> the friend published it. <laughs> <laughs> The friend was like, oh, yeah, this is great. I'm publishing this copyright. There wasn't anything about copyright or like, but he's just like, yeah, this is the pamphlet. We're going to pass it out. And the big uh, thing was the Gutenberg press. Like mm, yep. that, that was what did it. John Huss didn't have Gutenberg press. That's why none of the like sparks of, of reformation before didn't, didn't light the world on fire because they didn't have the mass communication thing of the printing press. And so it did by then by, by, uh, Martin Luther's time, so they just published everything he wrote, and so it, and they just spread it, and it became this thing that he didn't even intend. He didn't wake up one day. I'm going to start a revolution. I'm going to do the Reformation. He was trying to save the Roman Catholic Church. Right. He was trying to like, hey, we need to repent. We need to get the church right. You know, and and I'm afraid to say that, but you know, these things need to be said. Whatever. So he like started going through those things. Well, those ideas just exploded and just went viral, basically. And he never intended to like start this reformation, but once he was in it, he's like, well, I could die any day. So I'm just going to go all in. Like <laughs> I could just be burned at the stake. They could capture me. And he went into hiding, like grew a beard and like 
tried to hide and stuff in this castle as a knight or something and like <laughs> was, he was and the whole time translating the bible into german and stuff to yeah. distribute to the people and it really was this like the people felt oppressed by the roman empire and like the roman catholic church and we're like this is ours we can read the bible we right. want to read the bible and we're going to and we're allowed to and so it was like a like a grassroots kind of organic mm. movement like that, spurned by the printing press. And that's why the Reformation kind of took at this point in history, mm. as far as I understand. Now, I definitely want to read more about how all that happened, and he doesn't go into it as much in this book. But, um, yeah, really, really cool book. Um, really great. I'm going to write a little thing about it. I flagged a lot of different mm. parts. Um yeah, so the lay people's persistent sense of grievance against the clerical class had found a specific issue and in a way had found a voice. So it's like he's like speaking for the people. And that's kind of where Eric Metaxas, uh, Mr. Revolutionary War kind of thing, you know, <laughs> um, goes with it, which is true. But it's like, okay, that, you know, he's not a religious writer. He's not a Christian right. writer. I believe he's a Christian, but he wrote the Bonhoeffer biography, right? Okay. Yeah, so I mean, he's legit. I mean, he's right. it's it's all it's pretty good. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. Anyway, really good book. I highly recommend it. You can buy a Barnes and Noble. They got a million copies at every Barnes and Noble you go to. Uh, Martin Luther, Eric Metaxas. Um, kind of have to have some time. Was it like four hundred some pages? But it reads really well. Really accessible. It's not academic. Not like super. Heady, it's very readable. Very, I felt like I was watching a movie about okay, really good, hmm. really, really so, good book. I want to read, I haven't read the Bonhoeffer biography, so I want to definitely read probably the next thing I read from a taxes. Does, does he get into Luther's kind of later stuff that gets him labeled anti Semitic? Does he talk yeah. about any of that stuff? Yeah, he does. Uh, I flagged one of those parts because, uh, <laughs> uh I don't know what. Uh, What's going on? Because <laughs> he's like, if you, if what did he say? Uh, on the so he wrote on the Jews and their lies. Right. He angrily advocates setting fire to their synagogues, destroying their houses, and even confiscating their prayer books and money. <laughs> In fifteen ninety nine, fifteen nineteen, he wondered why Jews would ever consider converting to the Christian faith given the, quote, cruelty and enmity we wreak on them, that in our behavior towards them, we less resemble Christians than beasts. Mm -hmm. So that, so he does do like, so, so this is a really important part. I'm glad you brought that up because um, it says, Luther also believed that Jews really did poison wells and abduct children for ritual murders and that they would lead others away from Christ with these terrible lies, which for him was the worst thing imaginable. So that's the whole like blood libel, right? As far as like right. on the Jews, where like there was these nasty rumors and lies that Jews would actually kidnap people and children for blood rituals and stuff. And so I was like, if you actually believe that, you you know you might right, get right. ideas about the Jews. But it says um, if there's a slimmest silver lining in all of this, it might be that we are because of these vilest writings less inclined to make a hagiographic idol out out of Luther, mm -hmm. right? We right. don't idolize him. Right, he's not inspired. And that, you know, look, the Reformation circle, reform, you know, Calvin, Luther, we, we, we tend to venerate these people in like, they're not inspired, right? They're not God breathed scripture, right? And so, mm -hmm. so don't. 
Um, we may also take the slight comfort in knowing that a year later, he would double back on himself once more and seemingly contradict the gist of what he had written in The Jews and Their Lies. In 1544, he rewrote a hymn titled, Oh, You Poor Judas, What Did You Do? How's that for a title? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he added this verse, "'Twas our great sins and misdeeds gross, nailed Jesus, God's true son, to the cross. Thus, you poor Judas, we dare not blame, nor the band of Jews, ours is the shame." Mm. So if people wish to see Luther as any kind of run-of-the-mill anti-Semite, they must be disappointed. He rightly lays the blame for Jesus' crucifixion, not on the Jews, but on every one of us and on himself as well as he should. Mm. So he, he goes into it. He, he mentions the stuff, so, which I think is fair, you know. Right. But there's a lot of weird stuff, too, about, like, the German marriage customs, because apparently, like, you didn't get married unless you had sex with her. <laughs> like you had to have consummate the marriage before the wedding like you couldn't have a wedding unless you consummated it huh. and someone had to watch <laughs> not royalty not like yeah <laughs> any jew any german marriage apparently <laughs> good right standing christian marriage had to be consummated before the wedding and someone had to watch can you imagine luther with his double chin just watching <laughs> someone watched him <laughs> <laughs> Someone watched him and Catherine. Yeah. Well, there you <laughs> they go. Talk about all. It's like, oh, I, I need to talk to you about my wedding after this. So very weird. <laughs> very weird. <laughs> well, there you go. So, <laughs> but it is a recommend. Solid recommend. Very much a recommend for wow. sure. I, I definitely want to read another Martin Luther biography. This is just the most popular one. You know, at Barnes and Noble. I think I ran into you when you were either buying that or you were thinking about buying it. Yeah, I think so. At Barnes and Noble. Yeah. So we took our masks off at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> When we embrace freedom in the spirit of Luther. <laughs> Unveiled faces. So going forward, since we're in December, uh, two weeks, we're going to do two more, and then we're going to take a break for the rest of the year for the end of December because uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve both happen to be Thursday. So we're not going to be on here. But yeah. uh, the next two I think are going to be really fun. So next week we're going to talk about Christmas as a post-mill holiday. Because joy is it? Yeah. Are we talking about him this this next week? We're talking about just I. We'll we'll definitely get into that. But man, I've been reading through Isaiah, and I Christmas is post mill. Let's just just put it up front. Christmas is a post mill holiday. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, post mill. You didn't even know it. (laughs) Yeah, you had no clue. I mean, how post mill is everybody at Christmas time singing songs about how Jesus is king uh, and all of that stuff? You know. Dude, we're watching like the, the new cartoon Grinch on Netflix. Mm, yeah, yeah. They're like going all around, like "God rest you, merry gentlemen," mm. and like they talk about Christ. Like, yeah, Main Street, the Grinch, like the most unchristian Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. And um, then on on the Grinch, the last episode before we we take a break, uh, our our friend Churchwave VBS is going to be back with us to talk about Christmas movies. So that should be a blast. We, Lord, and I have a stack like this tall of movie of Christmas movie. Not kidding. Of he said to watch through. He sent me a couple. I got to forward to you because he found some oddball ones, like he always does. There was a, <laughs> Santa versus Satan was a good one. So, <laughs> oh, that was Santa versus Jesus. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was. I was thinking of uh, Family Guy kiss save Santa. I always <laughs> wish that was a real one because <laughs> I would have watched that. But we'll get into all of it. It's a Wonderful Life, the Christmas classic. 
We're going to talk about uh, how St. Nick punched out Arius. Yeah, and, we'll get into that too. It's <laughs> the real St. Nick. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that'll be our next two. So hopefully you guys be able to catch us with that. And then uh, coming to the new year, uh, we don't know exactly what yet in January, but we'll have some stuff planned out. Hopefully some new segments. There's some stuff going on over here where we're kind of moving things in uh, some different interesting directions to, to add more content and kind of uh, branch out a little more. I, I think we both have kind of a passion for the city that we live in. So we want to kind of reach out in this city and kind of uh, – have that touch with other Christians in the community and kind of build that, that family of faith to really do stuff where we are. So, um, you know, hopefully you guys will be with us going forward on that, but until then, uh, this is the time, this is the place and we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Bye.